self-awareness is the key to everything. (laughs) I think we can both agree. Um, Self-awareness has given me so many gifts once I started to pay attention and not just mindlessly move through life and action. Um, Self-awareness brought me to yoga and taught me about myself in ways that I didn't even think existed. Welcome to your weekly woo. I'm Julie Heishi. And I'm Lindsay Page. We come to you today to shed light on unconventional methods of healing, living, being in the world. While some people may call these practices woo, we're here to talk about merging the spiritual with the practical, about becoming empowered to choosing your journey to wholeness. Everyone's path to finding joy is a unique and beautiful game of trial and error, full of important lessons. We're here to share our journey, our experiences, and our truth, so maybe your road doesn't have to be as bumpy as ours was, or simply to remind you that you're not alone. We bring on guests to join us for these chats so they can impart their wisdom and probably teach us a thing or two as well. We believe empowerment comes from knowledge and frame of mind. You may see or care for yourself differently after learning a new perspective. This creates a ripple effect for how you show up in the world. So take what sticks and leave the rest. You are your own greatest healer, your own guide, your own guru. We're here to take this journey with you, one woo conversation at a time. Hello, Julie. Hey, Lindsay. Good to see your face today. It's a beautiful, clear day. It got cold again, but I'm embracing all of the sunshine here. <laughs> it is not sunny here, and it was snowing about five minutes ago, so I am living through your sunshine. Send it on <laughs> over. <laughs> I will send you all the love and energy today. And today, mm. what we're actually talking about is how do you protect your energy and life force and prana, what it is, why it's important, and what is vitality, what is our energy, and how are they all connected, and to share that with you in a very practical way. But for but first, so that we're all on the same page, let's define it. Julie, what is prana to you? Mm, This is the one thing that I think that I could talk about for days. (laughs) I can nerd out about prana. For me, prana is life force, vitality. We come into this life with uh, prana in our pranic body and we leave with our last breath. So for me, prana is the mixture of oxygen, of air, with our physical body. So some people might think that prana is our breath. And in a way it is. But it's the act of bringing oxygen or bringing vitality, however you bring vitality into your body, that gives us life force, that gives us life force energy. And the way that Kundalini Yoga speaks about prana And how it's carried throughout the body is through the system of the nadis. You might be familiar with the acupuncturist's way of 
dispersing prana throughout the body in terms of the meridians. And the nadis are very similar to this. If you picture your bloodstream and your veins moving throughout your body, the nadis are very similar. Just in our abdomen, in our gut, we have over 72,000 nadis. And they're like little energy rivers. They carry prana, life force, vitality through our bodies. And just like the bloodstream, sometimes they can get blocked, right? When we have a blood clot or a stuck artery. And so prana is carrying life. It's bringing um, chi or energy into our organs. It's uplifting our mood and bringing life into the brain. It's the way that we feel good in the skin that we're in. And to me, that's really what this life is all about, is cultivating prana and cultivating vitality. I know, Lindsay, for you, you have a similar but sort of different perspective from Ayurveda. I would love to hear about that. What is prana to you from your lens? Prana to me is the energy of our life force, the energy of our vitality, the energy of what makes us feel emotions. And it is carried with our breath through the body. It is carried through the channels of our bodies. You, the channels of our bodies are, are the nadis. The, the channels of our body are, it's the nervous system speaking in firing off all these impulses. It's, it's what, it's why we tick. It's what makes us run around in this life. And so when we talk about prana, what's so important to share is if you think about energy in the channels of our body as a river, we want to keep that river flowing. We don't want the river to be backed up. We don't want it to be polluted, uh, with any toxins, how do we keep it clear and flowing? And also, how do we protect those rivers? At the end of the day, what Ayurveda says is you can live this life with a very healthy and energetic body. And then how do you do that? Very simply, Ayurveda says is that when you sleep, you need to sleep. And when you eat, you eat. And when you want to laugh, you laugh. And when you cry, you cry. My teacher, Indu, taught me that. It's a big conversation because it involves so many pieces and so, so many parts. And the first is just the acknowledgement that breath is really important. And breath is what carries so many things to the different corners of our body. But then how do we protect it? How do we protect our energy? I love that you mentioned the breath in terms of bringing energy in. I just want to pose the question of when was the last time you felt maybe unwell or scared or nervous or any kind of lower vibrational emotion? Just think about that for a moment. When was the last time you felt that way? And once you've come to a moment in time, can you remember how your body felt? Were you breathing into your chest? Was it fast-paced? Were you breathing at all? I know for me, I hold my breath when I'm really scared or when I'm not feeling well. 
And that's our nervous system saying no more right now. That's our nervous system saying maybe when our breath is very fast paced that we need more vitality. We need more energy to survive. And so when you say the breath is is the inroad, it really is. And the breath also teaches us if we need more or we need less just by our innate way of breathing. It's a, a way of getting to know ourselves without really needing to do much more other than listen and observe. And so the breath is just one way that we cultivate energy and vitality and prana. But there's so many ways of bringing in life force. And I think Ayurveda talks a lot about the different ways of doing that. I know in Kundalini, it is the breath, it's intentional, conscious movement, it's self-awareness, it's what we eat and how we eat it. Are we shoving food in our mouths so that we're (laughs) satiated or are we mindfully moving through each flavor and bite? It's also the relationships that we have. Ayurveda gives us some really practical steps about how to take care of the physical body, which is beautiful. And Ayurveda incorporates the physical mind, body, spirit connection. The most accessible way that Ayurveda talks about healing the body is through paying attention to the physical body. So what we eat, how we pay attention to our breath, how we move our body. And the quickest way to heal the body is the mind and energy, but that's not the easiest. So what we're talking about today is protecting your vital energy and why that's important. And and for us, I think the reason why it's important is because we've both chosen to to take care of ourselves and find joy in this life. By protecting it, sometimes that means, Julie, you brought up relationships. Being aware that like sometimes the relationships and our life aren't feeding our soul, or maybe they are, and just being really aware of what kind of energy they're bringing in. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, self-awareness is the key to everything. (laughs) I think we can both agree. Um, Self-awareness has given me so many gifts once I started to pay attention and not just mindlessly move through life and action. Um, Self-awareness brought me to yoga and taught me about myself in ways that I didn't even think existed. So the first step for me in self-awareness was keeping a very detailed journal <laughs> of what I was eating, of my menstrual cycle, of my emotions, certain times of the day, certain times of the month, and certain people that I interacted with. And it wasn't until I took those moments to get really thoughtful about the fluctuations and the changes that were taking place with me on a day-to-day basis that I really truly understood the impact of all of those bits and pieces to the whole of me, if that makes sense. So for instance, if I left the house and didn't have breakfast and drank too much coffee 
and then had a conversation with uh, a crazy neighbor and uh, didn't meditate. Like you could sort of see where this is going. <laughs> the day wouldn't be good because my vital energy would have been so low, depleted. And those were the start, the things that I started to see in this journal. And so there was an opportunity to change. And I took that very seriously because I, I got to literally see the patterns, but without self-awareness, without mindfulness, um, I wouldn't have had those, those opportunities to change. So the first step for me was taking care of my body. And like Lindsay said, there's a level of mindfulness that comes into nourishment with food and with meditation and breath. And there were a lot of boundaries that I needed to put into place for myself. And that was a lot of personal integrity too. You know, I, I was never a morning person. So waking up at six o'clock to do meditation and breath work and movement really like wasn't my jam at the time. But I knew how I felt afterward. And so that was a commitment. That was a conviction that I, I made for myself because I knew that I wanted to feel better. And I knew that I needed to cultivate more prana in a way, more vitality, more ways to make me feel better. And so once I started to develop more self-awareness, even on my yoga mat through breath work, you know, which particular breath work practice made me feel really uncomfortable and why, which particular pose made me shake, not out of weakness, but out of fear and why I started to ask myself these questions about where all of these things were coming from. And then I did a program called Landmark International, and it was an intense program, two weekends for about 14 hours a day. And this program, we, we unpacked the backpack that we all carry around. There's the backpack that we all carry, and it gets so full of life's experiences and um, unprocessed emotions and things from our past that we, we decided to just carry around with us. So we unpack all of these things. We take them out. We look at them very similarly to what I was doing on my yoga mat. I was becoming very self-aware of myself and the things that make me tick. And then we get to fill it up with the things that we wanted to put back in our backpack. And one of the things that I had to take out of my backpack was the relationships with my family. I come from a family of very loving, kind, generous people. And yet, like many families out there, there's some dysfunction. <laughs> and so I had to work through that when I took that out of my backpack because I wanted so desperately to put it back in. And I did. I got to put that, I got to put my family back in my backpack. And I did that through a lot of very hard conversations with them. And we talked about things that I hadn't thought about since I was six years old. But those memories and experiences from my past took energy away from me. 
there an energy leak and they were very subconscious. I, I, I had a memory of going to school and feeling like I was being abandoned by my parents. Realistically, that's not what happened. They just dropped me off at school. But my feelings were what was consuming me and taking away my vital energy because the energy was going straight to my brain. I was trying to process these emotions. So once I was able to talk through those things with my parents and my siblings, I was able to then move on from it. And we created language together that supported our relationships. For a very brief example, um, my dad and I are very similar. We, we love to talk and we love to express ourselves. And sometimes we can get carried away like I'm doing right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, we have to let each other talk and, and not interrupt one another. And that was one of the things that was really um, hurting our relationship was the fact that we always had so much to say and so little time and so little energy. And so we came up with a plan that if one of us started to feel like we were feeling a little overwhelmed, we would say in a very simple words, I need to take a break for a moment and I want to continue this conversation with you because I care, but I need to step away. And in the past, it wasn't that simple. Why? I don't know. <laughs> but it would turn into a big argument. Like, I need to step away. I need to run away. I need to, right? It was very reactive. So through uh, language, I was able to create a boundary with my father in a very simple way. Or if I was having a, a disagreement with my mother and she was going off about all of the things that I needed to do in the house, the chores. This was when I was still living at home. I would let her ramble on. And then at the very end, I would say, is there anything else that you'd like to say, mom? And her jaw would hit the floor because it was an invitation for her to express herself and not come to another disagreement or another block, right? And so not only did that give me energy because I was in control of my emotions, I was in control of the situation and I was this sort of shepherd for the relationship. But it also energized her because she was able to speak up and speak her mind. And I was holding space for her. So boundaries are agreements. They can be agreements with ourself. Saying, I'm going to get on my yoga mat and breathe for five minutes in the morning. I'm going to slowly and mindfully enjoy my meal. I'm going to... Um, go for a walk today at some point, or they can be with people around us. Agreements that I'm not going to overextend myself today. And that means I'm going to have to say no to someone. The word that you said that I love and wanted to highlight was agreements. When people hear the word boundary, a lot of times they think of something bad or forceful. And that's because the way society talks about it is a boundary or a border or do not come into this space. 
And we can reframe that and say, this boundary is also an agreement of what happens when you step over this line or when you decide to come into this space. It doesn't have to be bad. It's just our perspective on what is agreeable, what we want to see. And I I don't know what the word is, but I would just really love for us to think about boundaries as something that's healthy versus something that can be destructive. We don't have to build a wall to have boundaries. Hmm. It could be just a highlighter line that says, hey, this is what I want you to know. What I'm hearing you say, Julie, is that by, by having boundaries in your life with your family, you are then able to maintain your healthy energy levels. You're able to maintain a level of energy that was nourishing instead of depleting. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. You hit the nail on the head there, Lindsay. Um, these boundaries gave me life. So how do you create the boundaries? Like, how did you do that? What? It's not easy to do that with people. What's your method? What did you learn? Yeah. It was really through through two programs, the one that I mentioned previously, the Landmark International, and through the Handel Method. They place a lot of importance on language and how you show up for your relationships through your language. And so very simply, I had these conversations with my parents and I I had to acknowledge how I had been acting before these conversations. So that looked like Hey, mom and dad, I know that I've been, you know, a little aggressive and avoidant and, you know, the list goes on. And in being that way, you can insert any emotion in being that way. I have also made you feel that way, too. So it's acknowledging how you've been, how you've been showing up for the relationship, how you've been acting. It's acknowledging how they've been feeling. And then it's also acknowledging that both parties don't want to feel that way. Nobody wants to feel a lower vibrational feeling or emotion. So the conversation looked like this. Hey, mom and dad, I know that I've been acting X, Y, and Z. I've been feeling this way. And I know in doing so, you've been feeling this way as well. And we both don't want to feel that way. So what would you say? If we created a system, a boundary, a agreement that protected the way that we want to feel in relationship with one another, that cultivated that and fostered that, and they were really open with it. So we made some agreements that said, if I'm starting to feel a certain way that uh, I would speak up and I would say it in a, in a very loving and caring way, that if they started to feel me acting in a way that wasn't good for the relationship, they would say, you know, hey, Joel, this is what I'm feeling from you. Would you like to talk about it? Is there anything else you want to say? And it really, it was a beautiful process. It opened up um, the relationship in, in ways that I wouldn't have even imagined. Like my dad ended up sharing stories from his childhood with me, and it made me understand why he is the way that he is. So just by being really mindful about our impact 
through our actions on not just relationships with our family, but our friends and also with ourselves, we can create a more compassionate and loving interaction each and every time that we decide to do so. I would love to point out one thing that you skipped over in this process that is so important. There is a willingness and desire Mm. to listen and create those agreements and boundaries. Yeah. I had the desire to put my family back in the backpack, right? So I was taking all of these things out, my family, my friends, my habits, my past, and I was looking at them and saying, first of all, what happened actually versus what happened in my emotions and in my mind? (laughs) And is this serving me? Do I want to bring this back into my world, into my backpack? And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, there were things that wanted to go back in that backpack that were not serving me, like, at all. (laughs) But that was a discernment process, right? Like you were saying, it was that moment of mindfulness that was really critical in um, making a life that was more easeful, more joyful, full of prana, full of life that was able to sustain me um, moving forward in a way that I wanted to be. I'd love to make, again, highlight the really practical steps. You brought awareness by having this really awesome moment of reflection and journaling, and you basically cataloged your life for a period of time. I know that in, especially in Kundalini, which is is what you've shared with me so much, and just in yoga in general, they talk about 40 days, committing to 40 days, bringing awareness, journaling, making a catalog of the good and light energy, and maybe the energy that doesn't feel so good and feels dark and heavy, bringing that into awareness, having the desire to change, seeing that something got so bad or so uncomfortable or undesirable that you wanted it to change, and then taking these steps to either put it back in or leave it out. And in this practice that you shared with us, we can call it woo, you saw that one of your biggest energy leaks something that was taking away from your energy was relationships. And you so beautifully shared and kindly shared with us ways to create new agreements and boundaries with those that you love in your life by being really specific about language and being really specific about asking for what you need. And I love the the piece of where it wasn't only your desire to create those healthy agreements, there also has to be the second party that wants, that has to join in in that process with you. It's a huge part of it. It's like consent, you know? And if they're not willing to do it, then that's your, that's your time to say, okay, I'm going to take a step back from that and not put more energy into having them do something that they don't want to do because that's also like the flip side of it. So if you are like one of the many, many people that Lindsay and I know who 
realizes that you might have some energy leaks around boundaries with relationships or maybe even some relationships with yourself, I definitely encourage you to look up Landmark International and the Handel Group. They have been so transformative um, for the way that I have dealt with my energy. And Lindsay and I are also here to support you however you might need in making boundaries of your own. We've done it ourselves and we have some practical tips that we would love to share with you. Yeah. And don't forget that the first step is awareness. The first step to transformation and change is the awareness that you want something to be different and to also start taking care of yourself again. When you start feeling yourself being really like down in the dumps or like icky or just heavy, take a step back and ask yourself like, how have I been taking care of myself today? And if you're dehydrated and you're forgetting to eat your meals or you're skipping meals, if you're laying on the couch all day, those might be indicators that, you know, there's something else going on that needs to be addressed. And what can you do today to make yourself feel good? And going from there, and as Julie said, we are here to support you through that process. And there's so many resources out there. I loved having this conversation today with you, Julie. I think it's so important. And I loved being here with you, Lindsay. These conversations we have each week bring me so much prana, <laughs> so much <laughs> vitality. And I look so forward to- So much joy. So much joy. And I look forward to next week's conversation. You too. Sending you all the love.